welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Christine Williams, it is about time that I interviewed you for She's the Boss Chats. I'm so excited to be hearing your story at last. Well, thank you. Gosh, it's been a couple of years, hasn't it? Quite a few years, hasn't it, been, Jules? It has, it has. I don't know why I didn't do it earlier because I know you have an awesome story. But let's start off by telling everybody what it is that you do now. So my business is actually Smarter Property Investing and the reason why I chose Smarter was uh, seven steps to becoming a smart specific goal. But Smarter Property Investing, I teach people to do what I do and that's invest in property by not making the mistakes I made many years ago when I first started investing in property. So it's more about education, not really tutorials, but education and mindset and making sure that I mitigate as much risk as I possibly can together with understanding a person's um, what could go wrong profile and oh, yeah, how nice. concerned they are. Yeah, I really love it. Um, and um, I know there's a really big why as to why you got into investing property in the first place, and we'll get to that in a minute. But what made you decide to go out on your own? What made you decide that you were going to do this to help other people? It's that's really a funny story, and I've never told you this, Jules. I oh, was good. actually tell me. Yeah, I was actually contracted to a company called Run Property. Run Property right. is now not in business; it was bought out by Little, um, but it was run by um, John McGrath. Okay, um, and, I know that name. Uh, and Rob, uh, I forget Rob's surname, but they were in partners and, and then they separated and they kept run property going. And I was contracted to them uh, in a really weird way uh, to become the head of their investment property division in Melbourne. Okay. And doing that, I did that for about three years. And during that time, I could see what they were doing wrong. And we <laughs> had a weekend, uh, we had a, a brainstorming weekend and I was sent to Sydney and, and I had to take up what I thought the department could do or the company could do to better service their clients in the investment property space. And, right. you know, I was the only female in the room and many, many, many men before me had all these ideas and marketing ideas and everything like that. And, I, I look, I, I got to the point where I thought I'm going to leave this room because what I've prepared is nothing like what they're talking about. Anyway, Thank it was goodness. my turn and I it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon and I thought, oh, no one's going to listen to me. Anyway, I had actually prepared a SWOT analysis on the business. Right. Strengths, weaknesses. Um, opportunities. Opportunities and, and threats. Yes. And I had, you know, 10, you know, butcher pieces of paper and I had all these SWOT analysis. And then I had a business plan and a business model to move forward to increase the business. And I was actually asking the business for $30,000 to do this. Okay. Well, um, after that, I had two people approached me at dinner and said, Christine, you're amazing. You're the one that answered the problem. No one saw the problem and no one answered it. And maybe okay. we should get together and talk about this. And um, I came home from Sydney and I told my husband, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, why aren't you doing it yourself? Yeah, why do you need someone else? <laughs> exactly. So one of the guys from Sydney and I end up starting Australian Investment Property Solutions. And okay. we left run within the next I think it was three to six months, and we started that up together. And 
you know, Pete was in Sydney, I was in Melbourne, and logistically it become very difficult. Um, yeah. But we decided to go set our separate ways, so we sort of had a divorce. Um, and uh, but a, but he a friendly in, divorce by the a friendly of it. divorce. He stayed in yeah. Sydney, and I stayed in Melbourne. He picked another business name. Um, he really went into the selling of property process, but I went down the education path. And so really that's how Smarter Property Investing was born. It was born out of me doing a SWOT analysis on another business and I wow. actually took my business model and created my business model into Smarter Property Investing. Yes. Which was clearly the right way and I bet they're all p- kicking themselves now that they didn't <laughs> follow um, it. But that's re- that's a great story. Okay. So I love hearing the light bulb moment. It's always really interesting. But let's go right back because I also love hearing the story of how your career unfolded. And I know only a very small part of yours because you wrote a book about it, which is when we first met. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. So let's start with, can you tell me where did you grow up? What did your mum and dad do and do you have brothers and sisters? I do have brothers and sisters. Both my parents have passed away. Um, Where did I grow up? Well, this is the story, Jules. I went to seven different primary schools. Wow. Seven different primary schools. I was the only one I did a lot as well. (laughs) And I went to four different secondary schools and I did not finish year 10. Wow. So where did I grow up? I was officially – this is exactly why I, I like asking this story. <laughs> Hopefully there'll be young girls listening who'll be terrible at school going, oh, my God, if she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> exactly. So mum and dad um, never really owned a property. We either lived in a caravan or we lived in rentals or we were midnight okay. flipping. I'd come home where, from where, school. Where, in Victoria? Was in Victoria. This in Everything was in yep. Victoria. Okay. Um, I'd come home from school one afternoon and we're packing and we're moving again um, or we'd be moving into a caravan. Uh, Mum and Dad worked, so I, so I suppose the work ethic certainly come down to my brothers and myself, but they never just had enough money. They just didn't have enough money and they could never buy a property. So, so, so why were you moving so often? Because because, because they, they wanted to move on? Because they to pay the rent that they had um, oh, okay. they'd lost a job. and. You know, I'm 66 yep. girls and I've only really <laughs> found out a lot about this in the last 15, 18 years about that, but I oh, also right. knew that I wanted to stabilise my life and have my own property. That was one of those things. All yes. right. So so you're a little girl, you're in primary school, moving around all the time. Did you enjoy school? I, I love numbers and I... It was very hard making friends every eight to 12 months. It was very hard. And I really attached myself to the teachers because they seemed to be the stable part of my life. And it was very hard making friends and losing friends. So I would attach myself to teachers. And it's the reason why I wanted to become a teacher. I I just, they were my uh, mentors. They were my saviors. You know, school was safe for me. And, um, I wanted to become a teacher, but I wanted to be specifically become a maths teacher because I right. love numbers. Yes. Okay. And so um, so you love numbers. you moving around a lot. What, what did your mum uh, and mum and dad just did jobs that obviously didn't really make enough to bring up the – how many of you were – how many brothers three, have you got? Three children um, three. and okay. factory workers, truck drivers – Right, okay. Shop, shop workers. So tell me about secondary school, the same as primary school, attaching to the teachers? Yes, and and loving maths and science. 
just loving okay. maths and science. And the longest I was in one school was Faulkner Technical School, where I was there for actually two and a half years. That was the wow. longest time I was in any one school. Um, but Dad come home one day and said, I've got you a job where I work, and that was Jay Gadsden's in Coburg. And you can leave what, what school is, now. Sorry, because what's Jay Gadsden's? I don't Jay know Gadsden's what that is. Jay Gadsden's was a uh, can manufacturing company. It was bought out by Visiboard, but they made okay. um, pet food cans and fruit tin cans and stuff. That was what it was. So he wanted to and, get you on the factory line. Well, he came home and he said, we've got a, you a job in the office. I was Ooh. 15 and four months. And he said, so you can leave school because right. we can't afford to keep you Did you, you want school. to leave and, school? Right. Pardon? Yes. Did you want they to leave school? couldn't afford to keep me there, no. So right. okay. in the next two weeks I had to leave school and I will never, ever, ever forget this day. Um, I had to go around and be released. I was 15 and four months, so I had to go around and be released. The um, principal and uh, vice principal were, were really quite surprised, um, but my brothers were staying in school, of course, they were younger than me, and I right. got to my science and maths teacher, Mr. Sargent. See, I've never, ever, ever forgotten his oh, name. Oh, look. <laughs> and he was my maths teacher and my science teacher, and I just loved maths and science, and I gave him the form, and he thought I was joking because I wasn't in school uniform. He thought I was joking. And I said, no, I'm very serious, I have to leave, blah, 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 and he goes, no, not you, Christine, your university material. Yes. And it really sort of surprised me, but – I left and, you know, I was 14 and 15 months and so I, my parents could go and give me a Walton's card so I could go and buy three new dresses to start this job. And okay. that was my first indication of credit. Okay, right. Yeah. And I'll never do that again. Um, and I went into well, hang on a minute. What, No, no, well, what do you mean? So what do you credit. mean that you'll never so do Walton's it again? So Walton's was like a store card and mum right. had opened up the store card so I can actually buy three dresses to go to work. But they and didn't it took have the means me to pay it back. Three years to pay those three dresses right. off. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then I started as the male girl, but I actually moved into their computer section, and I actually moved into their accounting section, and I moved into their payroll section. So, really, I was really thrown into administration from an office perspective. Um, and then two years later, I went back to school and did my accounting diploma. Well, hang on so a minute. Really, hang on a minute. No, no, no. Come back. So why did you go back to school? And, yeah, tell me why. How did you go back to school after leaving? Um, I went back to night school. I didn't go back to school. Right. Sorry, night school. Okay, and I was older. I was just under 18 and I was allowed to start uh, night school. And I actually went back to do my accounting diploma because – Maths just come to me. I just understood numbers. And so I went back and I did an accounting diploma. Um, about six months later, I got married. My first husband, I got married. Oh, my goodness. Hang on. You're going through this so fast. So where did you meet him? Is he a high school boyfriend? Um, no, no, no. He actually worked at Jay Gadsden's. He was okay. actually um, a fitter and turner, a supervisor there, and that's where I met him, okay? Right. And, and do you think that was because you were desperate to get out of home by that stage or – Yes and no. Definitely yes and no. Yes and <laughs> right. No. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. So so you're 16 at this 17 at this stage by the sounds of it. 17 yeah. and a half going back yeah. to night school. And did you get married at 17 and a half? Um, I was 18 and three months when I got married. Oh my goodness! Very young. Very young. Very young. All right. Um, so um, and what what did that mean for you? Um, I mean, did that mean giving up work? No, I, I, as I said, I was very much involved in administration. I was, I'd gone back to school getting my accounting diploma. Um, mm -hmm. By the time I was 21, 
I was pregnant with my first daughter, but I was already managing people okay. from, an, from an accounting perspective. And so I suppose my administration office accounting career took off, just took off because I was obvi- I'm obviously a people person. And yeah, but I also a bit manage- of a genius around numbers as well, I would, yeah, I'm exactly. guessing. Exactly. So really my administration path and career path went really well. And no matter what position I applied for, I got, and I would I would increase my level of supervision and increase my level of managerial skills. Um, but, yeah, okay, it, it, but, and how did you do that whilst juggling a young child at 21? Um, mum helped. Mum oh, okay. helped. And, I was going to yeah. go, childcare really wasn't so much a big thing then, was it? No. Mum no. helped probably for the first nine months of Tammy's life and then – a very good friend of mine who I call her my second mother, uh, who's right. still alive today, um, started looking after Tammy before and after work. Oh, and fantastic. Five years later, I had my second child and um, I went still- back to work oh, no, about yeah, six or eight weeks after she was born and Pat started looking after two kids. Yeah. Right. Okay. Pat sounds amazing. Yeah. We she, are she's get like to my stay- second mother. Yeah. I, I was going to say, we're going to get to a stage where I'm going to go, have there been any women help you? So she obviously is going to have to come up a little bit then. Okay, so you are uh, 24 or whatever you said. You've got two young kids. Or t- what, how old were you at that stage? Um, I was 20. 25 by the time I had my second, yes. Okay, so 25, you've got two young kids, and I'm guessing a marriage that's not great by that stage. Was that? Um, no, look, it was still okay. Look, it was still okay. I was married for 17 years the first time. Oh, so it, wow. It was, okay. it was quite long. Um, mum was still alive, and by a few years down the track, mum and my father and my mother divorced. But my mother oh. went into what's called a roadhouse. And she sort of bought a roadhouse and um, I went into business with her. So we so, were actually on. in business. And, and is a roadhouse a truck stop? Is that yes. a, like those places on the highway that yes. trucks go in? Yep, okay. Yeah. That and, sounds quite um, cool. And Calcolo <laughs> ran 24 hours. So I was doing right. a 12-hour shift. Mum would do a 12-hour shift and I would do a 12-hour shift. Um, and, uh, look, my husband was supporting me. Um, he would have the kids before and after school, but I would be working in the business. So, you know, that was the first business that I went into with my mother. My mother got out of that business. I went into another business with her in another truck stop. Um, okay. And then after and at that, that one. Well, at, at, at that stage, you still haven't got your appetite for real estate. This is no. just, oh, we're just going to buy these places and you and your mum's doing some pretty hard graft by the sounds of it. Yes, we were. Um, look, my first husband was never interested in buying more property. I was. Right, but right. We, he always gave me the excuse, no, we can't afford it, we can't afford it. Um, but we had our home. We had our home. And a, about the 12th or 14th year mark of our marriage, we actually owned our home. We, we owned it outright. Oh, wow. You we paid it off. We worked so damn hard to own that property. Um, and it was probably – believe it or not, around that time that things started going wrong. And so at the 17th year mark, I left. I, I It was my choice. So I wrote the book Suddenly Single, yep. but it was my choice. I actually left. Right. And the reason why I left was because the position I'd been in the previous three years or the three years before that um, was the first time that I had quite a lot of staff under me as I was their manager. Yeah. I worked in a male-dominated industry. Um 
car manufacturing industry and I was the first female manager and I really, I suppose my tenacity really came to the front being. Sounds like it would have had to have. <laughs> it did. I, I Working really, with well, all those blokes saying this little Sheila's not going to tell me what to do. Um, trust me, Julie, that's exactly, Jules, what they used to say. And um, it, it was really imagine. amazing how I showed the male-dominating industry that a female could work really well in this industry and surpass KPIs. It, it was it really was just incredible. Um, amazing. So it come down to people skills and, believe it or not, it come down to me and my numbers. I just understood how things would work. Um so wow. when I left my husband, I basically left that industry at the same time. But that's where property came into play, okay? Um, I was on a I, – I, I went from that position into another position where I was in charge of staff in another company and yeah. I was earning a lot of money. I, I, for, for, where, for where I came from, I was earning a lot of money. I was going to say, I bet it wasn't that much, but just from what you'd had and the insecurity and instability and lower wages, you probably didn't know yourself. No, I didn't. But, of course, when I divorced my husband, I only came out with $15,000. After we sold the family home, I only came out with 15000 And it sounds really weird. We owned our home and it sounds really weird that I came out with that, but I had to pay out private school fees. Um, there was debt there that right. I didn't know about. And so my story was I'm never going to be in debt again. I'm going to get my own home. No man's going to have me under the thumb. Well and done. I'm just going to do it my way. And right. really that's how this happened. It was more about me being I'm going to do it my way and no man is going to tell me what to do ever again that made me go out and want to support my two daughters, keep them in private school. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it sounds amazing. All right. So what? tell me exactly. So you had $15,000 in the bank and two young kids. Where did you – I mean, when, when, like what literally happened when you walked out the door? Did you have – did you rent somewhere else? Yes. What did I rented, you do I didn't first? leave the area we were living in. I rented where we were living because I didn't want and, the girls to leave school and, and leave And was your friends. ex – friendly? I mean, was that okay? Or were you bumping into him in the supermarket and hiding behind the um, tomato soup cans? He he moved out of the area. He moved okay, out of the cool. Area. Great. Right. Um, but it was, it was really weird in the first place, as much as I said, no man's ever going to tell me what to do. Um, I really went a little bit crazy with money. And I bought what I wanted, spent what I wanted, um, you know. No one to a- tell you what to do. Yeah, took out a credit card for the first time. Um, and I suppose over the next couple of years, look, I, I really spent money ad hoc. I Yeah, I really did um, because I didn't have to work to my ex's budget. I didn't have no. to do what he said. Yeah, so really there was that. So I, I really I really lost, well, played with money and, and made quite a lot of mistakes there. But I had an opportunity and the opportunity was uh, I – I'd read a book and I'd been watching some um, – the book was 130 Properties in Three Years and I can tell you nobody can do it. But I read the book and I thought, oh, gosh, you know, I've learned some things from here and I actually had – like, That's much- like a bit like the – it, that's a bit like that book, running your business on four hours a week. Yes, which exactly, also is yeah. kind of like rubbish. Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> anyway, so, sorry. Going on. Yeah, okay. one of the things I said was to look in remote areas and to look for return on investment, and they were the two things that I took out of this book. 
And right. so I went and bought a shop in Hobart. Oh, when Hobart was probably about $1,000 to buy a shop then, was it? Uh, well, no, it was 40 <laughs> but anyway. So I went and bought a shop in Hobart. And okay. I was sorry I didn't buy two, but I was too scared. I was too scared. Anyway, 18 months later, later that doubled in money. That cost me 40 Wow. I sold it for 80, 18, 80 months later. Because now I was thinking about how can I earn money, get money to buy a property because, you know, we're still renting. Yeah, Anyway, okay. the next thing I did was I thought, well, I'll buy a block of land. Well, I bought a block of land from the money I made out of the shop. I still yep. had to borrow money. Um, but – that double. Well, tell me about that because because I've always thought that the, the the saying is don't buy land, buy property. So what happened? Where did uh, well, you buy the land? Was it in, in the country? Well, Jules, it doubled in eighteen months. Wow! It was. I bought it for one hundred and thirty-two thousand. Yep. And I sold it for two hundred and sixty thousand. Eighteen months later. And was that in a housing estate? Was it one of those kind um, of blocks it was of in, land in Melbourne? Um, in Melbourne, okay. um, yeah. and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, yep. and and did that. And, <laughs> and then I had money. The bargain. Yep. Yes. Okay. And then I had money. So then, and then I thought, okay, I don't. I'm renting, but I'm making money, and I don't. And the girls are happy. Why do I have to think about buying my own home first? So then I just started thinking, I'm going to start. I'll stay where I want to stay. I don't have to have my own home just yet, but I'm going to start making money out of property. And really, that's how it happened. That's really right. how it happened. I learned through those two things that I made money out of, but then I made mistakes along the way. I then took the money and I ended up buying a commercial property because I and because I could buy that commercial property outright because I was yep. really smart. I knew if you own property, you could use that property as security to buy anything else. So I was really okay. smart because I went and paid I went and paid cash for a commercial property. But no, it wasn't smart, Jules. It was one of my biggest mistakes I made. Because it was a commercial Why? property, when I yep. borrowed money for a, an apartment or a house, I had to pay commercial interest rates. Oh, that's because the thing, is it? Because security was a right. commercial property. So I didn't know that. And it was right. probably after that I thought, well, Am I allowed to swear? I thought, yes, you male guys, I've had enough of this. <laughs> so I learned to be a mortgage broker. I learned what I had to need to what I needed to know to borrow money yeah. in this male-dominated world and a female learning to borrow money. So it was a mistake. It took about five well, years to fix an that education. mistake. But yes. <laughs> I still made money out of it when I ended up selling it. And then after that, I only ever had residential property. So if any of you ladies are out there wanting to know about commercial property, happy to talk about it and happy to tell you what you need to know. But I didn't know that if you use commercial property in a in a residential perspective, um, you know, you'd be paying commercial You're paying rates. different rates. I didn't know that either, but I know yeah. that my mum, I remember at one stage because she dipped her toe in and bought um, a commercial property and, they, they, and the, the positives were that, the tenant will pay the rates, they look yes. after the property because they'll do it up and you'll always be able to rent it out. I think those were kind of the things everyone thought about. I don't know that anyone, well, I have ne didn't even know there were different rates. Yeah. So and policies changed around that. Um, bank policy has right. changed around that and I learned that once I become a mortgage broker. So it was right. a mistake. But from there, um, apart from buying established property, not realising that the sewerage rates, there was a new sewerage thing coming through, um, new sewerage um, 
levy was put on, which I didn't expect. Um, right. I bought, I had property that I never had landlord insurance on. Boy, was that another experience and <laughs> mistake. So risk mitigation, cash buffer, insurances, the type of property, the type of rate, uh, where you buy it, the type of loan that you take out, all those things were mistakes I'd made, but they're mistakes now I don't make. And, and that's probably what I do and how I do with my clients. I teach them not to make the mistakes I've made. But at the in the, in the end, look, I became quite successful. But it took a long time because I'm 66 now. So, you know, um, and now I just teach my family and friends really what what no, you don't. That, you, yeah. But it also, I know Bendigo Bank gets you to go around the country and do talks. So you're not just helping family and friends. And you've written, you've skipped over writing a book. Um, <laughs> and I think you've written two now, have you? Yes, is I it have. one or yes. two? Yes. So two. tell us, tell me yes. some of that. So the first book is Suddenly Single. Um, and, you know, there are so many women out there that do become suddenly single, whether or not it's their choice. In my case, it was my choice, or yep. it's not their choice. And there's a lot of emotional baggage that you take with you and carry with you. And I feel that because we live in Australia, the great Australian dream is to have your own home. I feel one of the biggest lessons I learned was you don't have to have your own home. No. It may come, it may not come, but it's not the way that you have to decide on a divorce settlement. You know, I'm going to buy my ex out. And I have to tell you, so many women do that and so many of them made the biggest mistake. It, me too, it's a fine, me too, yeah, me too. It's a yep. financial mistake, it really is. However, it was an emotional decision and I try, suddenly single in that book, I try to explain to women that don't be emotionally tied to the family home because as, I lost as, as my well, family home Yeah, and, and I yet think everything also- still worked out. Yeah, perfect. I think I reckon as a woman, not only did I, do you want to hold on to the home, but if you've got kids, I think that plays into it a lot. And that oh. is the emotion of, I don't want, you know, we've, we've split up, mum and dad have split up. I don't want my kids to be, have everything change, but actually, you know, you hang on for way too long you do. on something that kills you financially. It does. And, and really that's where me staying in the same community where the girls could still go to the same school and have their friends, believe it or not, and making sure they had their own bed and their own toys, okay? Yeah. That was really what made it a home, okay? So yep. so yep. it it's it's huge and it's it's not as easy as what I have written, the way that I've written it because I know it's a very, it's a huge Complex. emotional yeah. Yeah. wall to climb over. It really is. But it's worth the conversation. It it really is. So, yes. Well, but what we need is people like you, women who've gone before us to say, and you're not that much older than me, so I don't mean to put you in that kind of a bracket, <laughs> but but to say this is actually a bad decision and you should look at this in, in, a, in a bigger picture kind of a way. But you're so, I mean, you, as you know, you are absolute, even, and I made the decision as well, but you're still very fraught um, and, and it is very emotional and all the rest of it, but yeah, I wish you'd been around in those days to go. Don't hang on to it. There's so much, so many other. And believe me, when I did eventually have to sell it, and I'm in rental property, my kids don't even remember the old family home. They love yeah. this one, and you yeah. can afford to rent something better than you can buy. Is the other yes. thing I always remember someone saying that to me. So I probably couldn't afford the house I'm in, but you know, it's yeah. good for the kids. And really, you know, your house is where you lay your hat. 
Your home is where yeah. the heart is. It it is so true. It is so true. But it we is. have this Australian dream that we try to hang on to. So yes. Yeah. Which is which is I guess kind of being destroyed now because I and having for me, I've spent a lot of time in Europe, and in Europe, that's not the dream at all. People don't want to – I mean, they love to buy a house, but it's not the big dream. It's not the be-all and end-all like it is here. No, um, it's lifestyle. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, wow, amazing. And so how did you then get onto sort of the speaker circuit, doing all the things that you do now? And then you wrote a second book. So talk to me a little bit about your later career. Okay, so the later career really came around uh, – I wrote the book around smarter property investing yep. and it it really was around the the seven steps that I that I believe I teach my clients to take to understand why they're purchasing property because it's not just about purchasing bricks and mortar why they're purchasing property and what the end goal is and in that seven steps you know it's a specific goal it's got to be measurable is it attainable? Because we can all have dreams and they may not be attainable. Yep, yep. Uh, is it realistic? What's the time frame? So that's a smart goal. And then I've added on evaluate and repeat. So the book is basically the seven steps, what you need to think about, what you need to go through to come out the end to duplicate this step. And Ronald McDonald taught us how to duplicate hamburgers. Well, you can duplicate this just with property. Um, and right. I believe that's how I've done it. So – the speaking circuit sort of come around. I was at a networking luncheon this day, ladies yeah. networking, and what do you do? And at that particular time, um, I, I was still a mortgage broker, but I was Australian Investment Property Solutions. And there were women there and I was talking about property and what you needed to know from a financial perspective and from a borrowing perspective because I could wear both hats. And this yeah. woman came up to me and she said, that was just so amazing. She said, I wish my customers could hear what you've just said. Would you come and speak to them? And of course I went, well, yes, because I was, as I learned being a female, I would say yes before I would say no. And yes, got me to where I was. So I said, yes. Anyway, we had a, we went and had a coffee and she told me what she wanted. And I walked away and I went, oh my God, what have I done now? How am I going to do this? And so I fretted for the next four weeks about what I was going to talk about. Oh, I love but it I, though that you just said yes. I mean, that to me is, said, that's the clincher, isn't it really? Just say yes and work out how to do it later. <laughs> that's exactly right. So as it turned out, she was the regional manager for Bendigo Bank for the Eastern Suburbs. And okay. so Camberwell was her uh, was was where she asked me to present. So I was presenting at the Camberwell Bendigo Bank branch four weeks later on a Wednesday night, and forty odd people showed up. Wow! And I, I was uh, nervous. Um, I Terrified. had an hour and a half <laughs> presentation that was too long. Um, however, the questions were incredible, and they. After it, they thanked me and thought it was wonderful. I had all these people coming up to me and asking me questions. Um, but I learned the hour and a half was too long, so that was one thing I took away. We had photos. And then three weeks later, they come back and asked me to do it again. And I went, oh, ah. of course. So really it it was a networking event. I was asked to do something. I said yes. I went in. I, I fell into it. And from there, we then had legal involved and legal had to sign off on my presentation. And probably over the next three years, it just went from, you know, three or four presentations a year to me just showing up in branches, talking to clients, 
to anywhere to 15 to 20 a year. And then I started doing it around Australia. Um, yeah. And then ANZ Bank signed off on my presentation. The NAB signed off on my presentation. The Commonwealth oh, wow, Bank signed Christine, off my presentation. I didn't even know all this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then those banks asked me to come and present to their lenders because I was teaching their lenders what to say to customers without without giving financial advice or without giving accounting advice but actually trying to alleviate people's fears and addressing some fears and sending them to financial advisors or accountants to yeah, um, get the proper advice because lenders can't yeah. give you advice on property. And then I realised I needed accreditation. So then I went back to school and I got my um, property investment um, accreditation around Australia. I went and got Amazing. my real estate licences and here I am. This is what I do. Yeah, I just talk uh, to people well, about property around Australia. Yeah. You're amazing. I don't think I had realised quite how clever you were and I love it now that you're – well, I mean, I don't want to say <laughs> – when I say that, that just popped out. But uh, what, what I mean is I've always known you were clever, but oh, this you. sounds super clever. And I didn't know that you were a bit of a genius with numbers. So that's, I mean, obviously something that's incredibly opposite to me, but I really love it. I really admire anyone that's great with the numbers and, and love what you've done. So uh, is it a rude question to ask you how many properties you now have? Um, I still have double figures. Okay. Oh so, my god! But in saying that, in wow. the last, yeah, in the last, uh, and together, I've remarried, ladies. So I've remarried. Yes. Um, and I have to tell you, this current husband wasn't that impressed about property either. But anyway, I, I got him on board. Um, oh. We've got property. My my <laughs> husband hasn't even seen. However, in the last three years, <laughs> we have we've got property yep. hasn't never even seen. In the last three years, I've actually sold um, what I would have called. A good investment, but it didn't do exactly what I wanted. So in the last three years, I've actually sold two apartments um, and a house. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I've actually course- sold three properties in the last three years. And All right. Yeah. But in saying well, that, I- we're still yeah. holding on to, yeah, 10. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. So if you've got 10 and we'll only just touch on this because it probably won't be relevant in a while, but we are in July 2023. I'm just going to timestamp it because who knows what's going to happen. What do you think's coming now with – I heard the other day that someone said that the banks are holding on to 80,000 properties that are about to um, not be able to manage their mortgages and they're just not telling us. What do you think's going to happen just Look, before we move on to dr- other questions? I don't, I don't think it's as drastic as that, okay? Okay. Um, so it's July 23. So I'm not a financial advisor or accountant. No, or, um, that's right. We're just However, having a chat now. <laughs> yeah. My opinion, my opinion in this space is, is that if we're thinking RBA, we're thinking the RBA actually, as far as I'm concerned, penalising a third of the population. There is a third of the population that will um, be renters or Centrelink um, reciprocants and they'll never have a property. And there's nothing wrong with that. that, that that's no. the third of the population. And then we've got a third of the population that are self-funded retirees. They've got their own home. They own their own home. And so they don't care what, you know, the RBA do. But then there's a third of the population that do have mortgages. And whether or not those mortgages are their own home or investment properties, it's the third of the population that are feeling the crunches. Now, when they – when the media say 80,000 properties are going to fall over. No, okay? Now, I'm going to talk a, a benchmark here. And 
It really okay. doesn't matter where you ladies are calling in from, but if you have a property for a million dollars, okay, yep. and it's worth a million dollars or less or less, yeah, there is no way that unless you owe more than a million dollars, okay, unless you owe more than a million dollars, there is yeah. no way that you, A, won't be able to sell that property for a fair and reasonable market value because at a million dollars, all banks know this, there is still plenty of fish in the sea that can borrow 90% of a million dollars, you know, so they've got $100,000 deposit or $50,000 deposit. And there's still too many fish in the sea that can borrow that amount and are assessed and are very comfortable. And so if you go to auctions and they talk about the clearance rate or you go to private sales, anything that's a million and less, there is generally three to 10 buyers bidding on that property. So if you're the owner of a property that's worth a million dollars and you can't afford the next mortgage rate increase and you know you've got to sell, but you may have only paid four or 500,000 for it or even 700,000 for that property, I suggest sell it, take the money, start renting, put it in a 5% ING account and start letting the banks make you money because that's what's happening Yeah. Um, because you can do this again. Now, the reason why I said a million dollars is you can speak to any real estate agent and they'll tell you anything that's on the market for a million and less, it sells within two or three weeks, it right? It still it, does. It still does. And so does. Do, you, do you think that there's going to be a whole lot of holiday, um, and we'll move on to your life again in a minute, but I'm just interested. Do you think there's going to be a whole lot of holiday homes and investment properties that will be let go because um, people are look, stressing a bit? If if people have got their own mortgage on their own home and they've got an investment property and they've got a tenant in that investment property and they say that they can't make the difference between the, the investment property mortgage yeah, and the it's rent. Yeah, about the tenant. Yeah. But they must be having difficulty making the mortgage repayment on their own home, right? So yeah, I guess I'm thinking about- So who's actually helping them pay? The, the tenant's actually no. helping them pay that mortgage. Yeah, yeah. So to me- if you sell your own home, once again, this is an emotional thing. It's emotional blackmail. If you sell your own home, there's no capital gains tax. And some people will come out with a, you know, a massive four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar gain on their own home, which is tax free because it's your own home. That money could pay off the investment property. You own the investment property, you're getting rent for it. And then you probably be able to go and borrow money down the path. Now, there are people out there that, that's not going to work for, but it's not no. 80,000 people. It will be a no, very, very small amount of people that they shouldn't have gone into the 95% loan in the first place. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So will there be holiday homes come up and will there be investment property come up? People will sell and they'll be selling for the wrong reason because they haven't done the numbers thinking about what was the better thing to do. Now, we did find out in Victoria a few weeks ago, which I've known for many, many years, where the highest land taxed state in Australia, we're the highest stamp duty state in Australia, we're right. the we're the biggest debt state in Australia, and our taxes is, on property have to go up in Victoria to just cover our debt. So which is, that all sounds strange to me when you consider the prices of Sydney property and Sydney land that that we are the most in debt. I would have thought there'd be heaps more debt up up in New South Wales no, in we, Sydney we anyway. The, we've got the highest amount of. Okay. Uh, yeah. So to me, you know, there are 100,000 people that sold their house in Victoria and went to New South Wales and Queensland because they could buy something cheaper and have yeah. the lifestyle. So it's sort of around my opinion, you know, look at your numbers. Don't don't think just because the rent's not paying the mortgage repayment, it is the right thing to sell the investment property. 
when in actual fact lifestyle could be more important and, you know, it might be better that, you know, you sell your own home and you rent it back to someone who's bought it and you're only paying $500 a week to rent your own home, which a lot of people have done that as well. So unfortunately the media, well, think about pre-COVID, the media said property was going to drop by 50%. It didn't. It went up by nearly 28%. Um, And now that we're coming out of the interest rates, and I do have the opinion by March next year we would have had reduced interest rates and things are going to settle down. Um, But, you know, they've already said that property is going to drop by another 20, 30, 40 and 50%. Not at the million and less mark. It's just not happening. Yeah. 1.2, okay. 1.5, 2 million definitely has been a retraction. Definitely. Okay. All right. Let's get off the real estate thing for a minute now. We're, we're actually chomping along and I just have a couple more questions I want to ask you. So the first one is tell me a bit about Pat who looked after you because I love hearing about women that help other women, as you know, and she sounds like she was amazing. So tell me how did that come about and – Absolutely amazing. So one of the roadhouses that mum and I worked at, uh, we had a girl called Susan who was um, 16 and I met, I actually met Pat and she said, oh, my daughter's out of work. Have you got a job? And so we took Susan on board to start working in the roadhouse and Tammy was actually being uh, in childcare and she hated it. Every morning she cried. And Pat and Susan said to me, mum will look after Tammy for you. So I went, okay, let's try this. Well, I have to tell you, within a week, Tammy was shining, not crying. She loved it and would just run to Pat. So Pat sort of became my second mum and looking after the kids. And then very strict, you know, she was very strict. Um, Jade, my second daughter, swore one time (laughs) and Pat washed her mouth out with soap and water. And and Jade is 41 and she'll never forget it. And she'll never forget it. (laughs) No, Pat's 86 and she's just wonderful. And I actually saw her again. I see her every couple of months, but she's 86 and she's very frail now, but, yeah, she's just like a second Oh, she sounds fantastic. Is there any other women that sort of stand out as having helped you in your career? We haven't got much time, but is there someone else that stands out? I mean, I I think of the wisdom my mother gave me and um, my current – my mother-in-law who's 94, she's just full of wisdom Um, and – not, not necessarily. I, I have lots no, of women right. around been, me. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and you, as as I know, you worked in some pretty male dominated industries, so I'm sure there were plenty of blokes that would have helped you as well. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wish we had a bit more time. I'm going to ask you one question because you have had a business for a long time now, and all of us know who've had businesses for a long time that it is never just a nice straight line going up um, and that, you know, things happen. Can you talk to me about one such occasion where maybe something has happened to you that has made you have to change direction? Uh, what I really love, though, are the stories of, for instance, the pandemic's a great one for me where you think, oh, my God, it's a disaster. What am I going to do? Um, and you change direction. And in my case, I started going, oh, well, I'll do online lunches for other women like me. And I've suddenly got a new business. And another one I can think of was I was having my Handle Your Own PR website built and the guy I was doing it in partnership with just walked away and I had no money left. But it actually made me take on a different guy that was amazing. So things happen um, and I just wonder if you have one of those kind of wise stories for any women that are listening to say something happened to you along the way that made you change direction. 
Oh, it would definitely be when I was at Run Property and the SWOT analysis. And yeah, and, yeah. Actually, and my husband saying to me, you should go and do this by yourself. However, I was too scared to do it by myself and that's why I really had the partner from Sydney. But when – and as much as it was a, yes, a friendly divorce, it was more about one night Peter and I were presenting and he really got very specific about why you had to buy property and you had to buy property and he was selling property that night and it was yeah. sort of like, well, no, we've got to teach them first. And I, I sort of walked away disappointed in – the path that he was taking. And so over the next couple of months, I was really educated. He was really selling property. And and then it, it really just became a mutual, well, I think we better separate because as much as the IP was exactly the same, we were doing it differently. And yeah, right. all I can say there is I came home from Sydney because I was up in Sydney when that happened and said to my husband, oh, I just don't know that Pete and I are just working out. He's doing this, he's doing that. And he said, when are you going to do this by yourself? And so it was three weeks husband. later on the 18th of August, Smarter Property Investing was born. And it, it really right. took my husband to push me to say that I had the confidence yeah. to do it by myself. Yeah. Yeah. And probably and because. Back, and I haven't looked back. No. And also I think people that are around us that love us have a different perspective. They're not as emotionally caught up with it. So they can actually see a path sometimes that we can't. Um, okay. Yes. Talk to me about burnout. I know that you have been um, unwell earlier this year. You're 66 um, and you absolutely love what you do and you obviously do it brilliantly. But I'm interested in the work-life juggle. What are your kind of rules for yourself so that stop you from working so hard that you make yourself sick? Um, well, it, it actually took me becoming sick. So um, oh. I'll share that I've had breast cancer and on the 29th of July I have my final treatment after, and my first treatment was the 27th of May, 22. Um, and so it's been right. a huge 15 months. Um, prior yeah. to that, I, I was working anywhere between 50 and 70 hours a week Ooh, because wow. I love what I do, okay, love yes. what I do. I get that, um, I get that. And it's re- and it's really funny, Donna, um, my um, EA, would say to me, Christine, you've got to slow down. And I go, no, I've got to help all these people. I've got to help all these people. And she'd say, you've got to slow down. So, you know, the big person upstairs must have decided that I had to slow down, so I actually got sick. And it was probably the turning point of me to understand that I could actually say no. And a lot of what Donna would say to me would be, Christine, you're taking on problems that you shouldn't be taking on. You should say no to them. You've given them all the guidance, but they keep coming back to you. You don't charge them. You've got to stop. And so I think being finding out that I had cancer um, was probably the line in the sand that got drawn. And what I have found is that I'm very comfortable now once I give them a copy of my book, once I spend a half an hour with these people, and if I can't help them, I'm very open about that and I let them know where they can go for more help. Um, it sits quite well with me. So I am working now 20 to 30 hours a week and oh, that would I be the work-life that. balance. And I, every weekend I make sure that hubby and I or the family and I have got something to look forward to and yep. that's what I do. Yeah, that's that's how I do it. But travel. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Before COVID, you know, we did go overseas every year and then COVID happened. Um I, I just can't wait to get back overseas. So next um, 
April, May, May, 4th of May, yeah. I'll be in Greece. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ooh, so I the travel's Greece coming back to play. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fantastic. I'm, I'm feeling a bit the same way because my boys are all going to finish year 12 in like a couple of months. Not that I'm clock watching. Um, and I'm immediately <laughs> like, yes, the travel is, is the one thing I really miss. Okay. One last question for you. And I adore this question and it doesn't have to be about business, but. Is there a quirky fact about you that nobody really knows that you'd be up for sharing? Um, you know, did you ever see the movie um, Sixth Sense, I See Dead People? Yes. Yeah, right, okay. With Bruce Willis. Yeah, Bruce Willis, okay. Yeah. Um, I actually see numbers. I, I do, Jules. I see numbers. If you're talking to me wow. and, and I'm talking to my client and I'm thinking about what they can do, if I look to the left, I actually see numbers. I, I, it's weird. And what do and they I mean, just, though? What, what, what do they mean? Like what? if you see um, numbers like around me, be, what does it mean? It'll be, you know, we're borrowing 500000 we're going to get 5% return. I see 500000 you know, I see 25000 I, I just see numbers. It's, it's weird. It really is weird. Oh, and I, wow. It's, yeah, I, I just see. It's like this photographic calculator I sort of see. But yeah. There. And the other quirky thing is I actually did physically meet and shake the hands of Her Majesty uh, Queen Elizabeth. So. I did oh, do that at the Commonwealth wow. Games. And we got told today that our next Commonwealth Games aren't going to be I'm Melbourne. Be but I did that at the 2006 Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my goodness. They're two fabulous facts. But I love it that you see numbers. People tell me they see auras and things, but I haven't had anyone say numbers. Yeah, so, really, numbers, are you yeah. saying that if 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 I was to talk about 670,000 times 15%, you can just see things? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know yeah. whether. Yeah, I, I wow. couldn't work that out. I'd want my calculator, no, but I... I wouldn't know yeah, whether you were right or not, but um, wow, amazing. Well, Christine, yeah. you are extraordinary and what an inspiration and I love it that you've shared your journey and thank you because, you know, finishing school at, at the in year 10, which, you know, a lot of people did, I guess, in the past, but to have built up the amazing career that you've had is extraordinary. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Now tell everybody, I'm sure that by the time they've listened to this, they'll go, that is the woman I want to teach me. Um, what are the best ways for people to be able to find you or find your courses? Um, so the website is smarter, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, propertyinvesting.com.au. You can download anything yep. from there. Or 1300 number, 1300 736 complimentary. And you can go onto the website and book a chat. Everything's complimentary. Oh, uh, great. What they see is what they get. And um, I'm happy to just, you know, share and answer questions. And no question is a stupid question. It's a question that needs to be answered. Yes. Oh, I love it. Thank you so, so much, Christine. I really loved this. You're very welcome. Thank you, Jules. Thank you, ladies, for listening. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. 